Hello everyone and welcome to episode 50 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me as always is my magical school classmate, Ben Bumhoffer. How yeah. are you doing, Ben? Because at some point we're going to compare, uh, I got sorted into Ravenclaw. I'll just throw that out there. I'm a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Exactly. Hufflepuff. You know, I can totally yep. see that about you as being a Hufflepuff. Yep. It's yeah. that's that's my thing. It's it's my thing. But we're talking about a different, most likely cooler magical school <laughs> today. Uh among among a myriad of other things. Uh it turns out that Wizards had just a few just a few yeah, announcements one or two. One or two. Uh, this this last last weekend. Um, and we're going to just dedicate a whole section to talking about it because there is some really cool stuff going going down. And then we're going to talk about dragons because, yeah, you know, it's one half of the of the combo. Exactly. Anyway, so we might as well. I mean, yeah. in theory, it's <laughs> this week. It's like maybe a third or a quarter or an eighth of the information. But whatever. It's our show. Yeah, we're gonna that's, we're that's gonna true. break it up that's however true. we want. Heck yeah! Um, so we're gonna start off with some of the announcements that uh, came out during D and D Live, which was a two day event this past weekend. Um, and so the first is we got a little more information on the brand new adventure book, The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yes, and that is coming uh, in August. If I not mistaken um september 21st september september yes thank you uh september 21st and it is a fey wild adventure it is i believe levels um one to eight i that sounds which is pretty cool right. yeah uh the the official official tagline explore the plane of fairy in the first official DD adventure set primarily in the fey wild uh it is set around the Witchlight Carnival. Um and it introduces uh the fairy race or the Her Hernagon race. Did I say it right? I don't know how to actually it. I just call them rabbit Herengon, folk. The rabbit folks. Yes. The, <laughs> the humanoid the humanoid <laughs> rabbits. Um and the cool thing about this, and this is specifically called out, is all encounters in the adventure include a non-combat option, mm -hmm. allowing players to think and roleplay their way through the adventure if they wish. So this is technically, I guess, an adventure where you could do no combat. Yeah. Whatsoever. Which... And that's that's a departure. That is something that's new. That's something that I like. And I think it really fits incredibly well with the playstyle that is, you know, as diverse and malleable as possible, which is something that we've come to love about D&D. &D. You know, there are a lot of different adventures that are out there that don't exactly give you that option for certain things. And there may be times at your table where all of a sudden your player comes up with something that's like, you know, mind-blowingly perfect for a situation where combat doesn't exist and in this case it actually gives you you know kind of a path to to follow along if that does occur so you don't have to you know hopefully completely rearrange your entire game going forward that's super unique i i really like that they're they're trying that kind of thing out and giving mm -hmm. that more i guess 
non-combat story oriented way to get around and get through the different situations. Exactly. And I, I kind of, I kind of wonder like how, like how does the end boss fight quote unquote work out if you do it all through non-combat? I mean, like it, it's, it's a fairy. So, well, I'm assuming it's a fairy cause you know, Feywild, but you know, there, there's a lot of different ways of, of tricking of wordplay. There's, you know, a, appealing to their vanity. There, there could be, plenty of different ways to do this i mean aside from like just threatening them with like iron or something you know i, I mean whatever it is it is just that extra added layer of creativity that i really appreciate in this upcoming uh, uh campaign guide like so much so yeah and and it's it's cool like so i it was i think it was it was several episodes ago where we we sat down and we kind of gave our predictions mm-hmm for for what we thought they were going to be and it's hilarious how close we actually got yeah. uh to some of these because we're not it's it's not a setting book so we're not getting a Feywild setting book yet um but it does say it will include new Feywild uh monsters mm-hmm. uh items um and whatnot and then of course you have the the two new races the the rabbit folk and the the fairies so even though it's not a setting book, we're still getting some of that type of stuff that you would get in a setting. Book. Exactly. But on top of that, too, there's actually two new character backgrounds as well, which I find incredibly interesting, uh, especially for, you know, players who are, are, are going to be doing the either the the rat. Sorry, the Herringong. Yeah, the whatever rabbit folk i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm, I'm gonna call them rabbit folk. <laughs> yeah yeah um or or yeah. the fairies or like you know say an elf who actually you know maybe grew up in the Feywild or something along those lines but there's the fey lost that grew up in the fey Feywild, or there's the witch light hand which is for characters who actually worked for the carnival so you can always have that carnival as a stepping off point um you know in even better for for people who are you know potentially using this as maybe like a jumping off point for a campaign all your characters can start there or one of the characters can. And, you know, maybe other characters came into the carnival and then the adventure starts and they kind of get pulled together. It's it's one of those things where it's going to be, from what I can tell, you know, open enough so that you have it as a background that works incredibly well, that ties it to this beginning and just is something that you can really carry on and go forward with. Well, they they even mention um, in the thing that it's built in such a way that you could actually like pick it up and drop it Mm -hmm. into an existing campaign, which is super cool. Um, So I like I like that they're really exploring this freedom to experiment with with different styles and different things. And I think and I I, at least I feel like D&D is starting to get big enough that they don't seem to feel the need to like have to target every book to every person. Yes. Like they're it's it's starting to get to the point where they can make more niche books and they don't need everyone to buy them to make them successful. Exactly. I mean, if you were really to, you know, kind of look at this, um this is just oh, I don't know, maybe a a little bit different than say the Lost Mind of uh, Fendelver. Very different. Um, it's, you know, just the tiniest little bit different than Curse of Strahd, which, you know, it, 
vampires, you know, entirely different than bunny people walking around in a carnival. You know, it's there, there's so many different things to kind of go with that. I'm just incredibly excited about the, the kind of branching off that uh, we can go with. I mean, this is one of the things that we talked about with uh, Amy Vorpal when she was on about how, you know, D&D is, you know, a super serious fantasy setting or something just, you know, um, charming and unique and just, you know, fun whimsical. to play around with. Yeah. Whimsical. I couldn't think of the word, even though I'm one of yeah, the people who no, said it before. It's a, it's a great it's a great word. Um, no. And I, even though I don't normally run like the pre-published adventures, uh, I probably will at least pick this up digitally. Yeah. Just for access to, to all the extras. Exactly. Yeah. Or perhaps even to pull the carnival as a little side thing. If I ever have a campaign that pops into the Feywild, it may not be the main thing, but they may run into it. Yeah. And exactly. if it's fairly drag and drop type stuff, then that's that's cool. That's yeah. even cooler. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely get it on D&D Beyond specifically for the races, just because I mm-hmm. love having all those options for my players. And yeah, I can't imagine having a fairy running around with a group of adventurers. I just think that'll be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> or, I don't know, a, a rabbit folk who is a grave domain cleric running around and being creepy as heck. That could be something that could be fun. I don't know if that would work, Ben. Eh, you never know. Probably not. Uh, you should try it sometime. Probably the worst character ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. If you don't listen to Plus 5 to hit... This is this is this is the uh, this is the advertisement because we're in our interlude right now. And Ben is playing a rabbit folk grave domain cleric who's super creepy. <laughs> I try to be at least. But um, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I love all the stuff that that, uh, you know, Wild Beyond the Witchlight is, is bringing. I'm seriously looking forward to it. And I mean, just the map alone of the carnival is pretty neat. Oh, beautiful, beautiful map. And there are there are screenshots and pictures of that map up and we'll we'll make sure uh as we kind of go through these these new book announcements to link a little something from each of them or at least the official page uh mm-hmm. in the show notes on discussions.com um so moving on and part of why uh we're doing a dragon here a little later uh <laughs> and this this is hilarious because i predicted this this mm-hmm. is this is one of my this was one of my hopes and dreams and once so I, I originally said I, I want a Draconomicon for for 5e. Um, and it's not it, it is, but it isn't. Uh, it's not called the Draconomicon, but they are coming out with Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. Yes. And this is going to be coming out October 19th. And this is uh, as far as I can tell, this is kind of the like rules slash monster book for the year. In the in the same vein as you know, uh, Volos or Mordenkainen's or Tasha's or yeah, um, yeah those those types of things. Uh, so it is. Uh, it also seems to have be doing a little bit of Dragonlance type stuff, uh, which is I know is a very popular setting. Mm-hmm. And this is not a Dragonlance setting book, but Fizban is from Dragonlance. Yes. So it's it's. Potentially, who knows, potentially teasing something uh, in the next next year. Uh, but essentially, it's going to introduce gem dragons to fifth edition, which is super cool. Uh, reveals the story of the first world and the role of Bahamut and Tiamat, 
play in the creation and destruction. New player character options, including draconic ancestries for Dragonborn, dragon-themed subclasses for monks and rangers, new feats and spell options. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's actually a dungeon master section um, for how to craft like dragon-type encounters and layers. And details on 20 different kinds of dragons, uh, including a complete dragon beastery with a bunch of new dragons, dragon related creatures, uh, aspects of the dragon God. So it's possible we may be getting like, t- uh, like maybe a updated or a new Tiamat stat block, Bahamut stat block. Um, and I don't remember the name of the gem dragon God off the top of my head. I don't either. So we're going to call him shiny. Yes. He's very shiny. Very much so. <laughs> or they are very shiny. Yeah. Uh, dragon minions and more. So this is this is super cool um, because this is basically essentially fifth edition's Draconomicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to introduce a bunch of the, the gem dragons. And gem dragons are really cool because they are psionic based. And we don't have a ton of psionics in, in fifth edition right now. But it was a big thing in some of the older editions from what I understand as well. Um, there's this really sweet Reddit thread and we'll link to it in the show notes that kind of goes through a little bit since this is kind of the, the big, you know, the big book for the the year, as far as like the rules and the, the new stuff goes. Um, but, uh, James Wyatt is, uh, writing on this one. Uh, and he said, it's going to be one third stats, one third for DMS and one third for player options and more DM tools that apply to dragons more generally. And Jeremy Crawford, who's the uh, lead rules designer, mm-hmm. uh, was saying it's going to be similar to Volos or Morden Canons. Yeah. So that that type of that type of book um, for the year. So, yeah, lots of lots of really, really, really cool stuff. Um, we're going to get gem dragon stuff. We're probably going to get gem dragonborn. I would assume. I would think so. Um, I mean, especially since uh, there was all that unearthed arcana stuff uh, involving the different dra- gem dragons that uh, we talked about earlier this year, as well as the uh, yeah. you know the Drake Warden Ranger, uh, the Ascended Dragon Monk. Um, you know, everything's being made official and and being put into uh, canon and stuff. And yeah, it's just it's really. I'm cool. super excited for this book. Me too. It is pre-ordered in all the ways right now. <laughs> I love dragons. Yeah, I, I need to and see it, it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and it's just like for all that it's named Dungeons and Dragons, like how often do you actually use dragons in your campaign? And I was I sat back and I thought about that for a second and I was like, not enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I mean, I need to fix that. I I'm kind of adding more in um, just because, you know, the, there's the city that was made by a silver dragon. Uh, my, my people just ran into a green dragon, uh, and I like the idea of dragons being more prevalent in the world. And, you know, as I'm getting options, uh, especially with this book coming out, I mean, I'm going to use the heck out of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at the world more in terms of what the world was before some of the, the younger races arrived and dragons ruled before then. So you know, having this as, as uh, a bit of material to, to use is really neat. Uh, one of the 
weirdest things that I saw from uh, all the different things that we kind of read is the idea that um, dragons are very important to the prime material plane. And because of that, they're like, I guess I'll say it as, as Loki as possible. There's like potentially different versions of the same dragon on different like material planes and if they work super hard they can kind of communicate with each other and like become the one true version of themselves and like that alone is enough for me to get this book to see something along those lines like that is a cool story arc that i don't know if i'll i'll you know run it in my campaign anytime soon but it's something that's really neat that's out there that is just like the bare minimum of what this book has in it and I really hope, especially with the gemstone dragon, since it's it's psionics, and I think that could bring a much more interesting, uh, much more interesting options for combat mm-hmm. as well. I really hope they introduce more variant rules and such to spice dragons up, make them more interesting. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but and I know we've talked about it before, but for the most part, like just your base dragons stat blocks pretty boring yeah yeah pretty pretty limited like they get a little more interesting if you once you throw your layer in and you can do you know the layer actions and stuff but the dragons themselves are are just a little basic i guess like there's not a lot of real flavor to them beyond their breath weapons and so we'll talk about that a little bit in our in our next section as well um so yeah very very excited <laughs> for that one to come out. So that's in October. And then finally in November, <laughs> November 16th, uh, we are getting Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. And this is like a setting slash adventure book all rolled into one. And Strixhaven is a one of the multiverses of Magic the Gathering. And it's this magical college where students can be in one of five different colleges and then uh like i said it's got this multi-year campaign in it that you can start as first-year students who study and socialize and adventure their way to graduation uh and it also includes academic challenges extracurricular activities and jobs relationships to be explored on campus includes four adventures that can be played as standalones or woven together to create one campaign taking players from one to ten that sounds super cool that is very cool like Magical school fantasy in D and D, like sign me right the heck up. Like that, that just sounds so cool. And it even sounds like it'll have mechanics, uh, potentially, um, potentially home brewable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see how they're implemented for like uh, doing the class stuff, the extracurricular activities, the relationships. Um, I assume there's probably systems in there for that kind of. I would stuff. think so. And, you know, so, I, I mean, obviously the, the direct comparison is going to be uh, Harry Potter with this. But on top of that, too, I'm thinking also more Persona. Like, I don't know if you've ever played any of those games, but the idea of like, OK, you're going to school, but also doing this adventuring, you know, kind of out the side, but building relationships at the same time. There's a lot going on in this book. Like, it's so much more than just, oh, well, you know, it's it's a ripoff of Harry Potter because. First of all, magic is not a ripoff of Harry Potter, something entirely different. But the fact that These, the magical school thing, Harry Potter does not have the creative license 
for the magical school. Yeah, thing. exactly. Don't get me wrong. I love my Harry Potter, but it's not the only thing out there. Anyways, yep. um, but yeah, it's it's something that that seems to be really cool. And I'm super excited to kind of explore this and see, you know, how in depth it goes, where it goes um like in its own world building because i'm not super familiar with magic the card game like that's the setting but like this this kind of environment and stuff seems really neat to me and i'm i'm hoping to really kind of dig in and play it one of the things i'm really happy yeah. about too is the fact that uh not only do you know you have these different you know uh, potential mechanics and everything like that but here we have the last new race that that is going to be added officially for now, which is the owl folk or the owlin. And I think that's really cool. The perfect kind of race to show up inside the walls of a magical school. Like, how cool <laughs> is that? I think it's really yeah, neat. Uh, I love it. And and this is like you said, this book seems like it's going to be huge because mm-hmm. it's got the setting. It's got an adventure. It's got new player character options with new feats and backgrounds new spells magic items mm-hmm. to help their character feel connected to the college they choose 40 new magical and mysterious creatures and npcs in the beastery like it's 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 huge like there's a ton of stuff in there even if you don't even want to use Strixhaven, mm-hmm. but they even say it can easily be dropped into any D&D world or campaign with the provided rules for adventuring as a student of magic. Yeah. Like you want you want a cool like uh, big magical uh, uh, conservatory or whatever in your one of your cities. Mm-hmm. There you go. Exactly. Like drop this drop in candle keep somewhere. You've got the, the carnival that's popping up, you know, every eight years in in different areas of, of the, you know, the universe and in and, and different planes and stuff. I mean, yeah, wizards is giving us stuff that are, Hey, here's a campaign setting, go through, play it. But it's also giving us so many tools to just drop into our own homebrew world and like, actively encouraging you to 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 pull some of that stuff and use it for your own i mean not that they weren't before with all the other stuff that they have but it almost seems like this is designed specifically for that as well as being used as like kind of a a guidebook to you know an adventure of some sort and i am incredibly excited about this one too like all three of yeah. these are just scratching an itch that I didn't know that. Well, except for the the dragon one, I knew I had that itch, but yes. they're, they're all scratching yes, this always. itch that I didn't know that I had, and I'm just really excited to bring all this uh, into my world. Oh, and there's there's a really interesting article um, from Polygon uh, that was just titled uh, "D and D Strixhaven Campaign Has Mechanics for What a Hot Mess College Life Can Be." <laughs> and I was just like. That sounds so fun. Oh, <laughs> just like, <definitely. laughs> like relive the college life, but magic. I mean, it's it's super interesting. Uh, and it even says, and this is super cool, in spite of the concept, you don't have to play a magic using class in a Strixhaven game. All yeah. players will receive a, receive a free campaign feat that will grant them some magical abilities based on one of the colleges. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's great. You're not super cool. You're not, you know, restricting people to only magical classes. And again, that goes into the just the the care that's being put into it to let anybody be what they want 
in whatever kind of setting that they have. And the the Mm -hmm. thought that went into that, I think is probably one of the most important things that they could have done with the book. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, one of the things that will not, however, be in the book, uh, recently, and I think we talked through this at one point, um, they they released an unearthed arcana mm-hmm. that had a bunch of Strixhaven uh, classes, and it was a very unique thing because the subclasses could actually be taken by multiple classes. Yes, they weren't uh, unlike everything that had come before it. They weren't limited to a single class. They kind of morphed a little bit depending on the class that took them. It sounds like they opted not to move forward with those five subclasses that could be used by multiple player classes. Um, and they they scrapped them. Uh, Jeremy Crawford, the the lead rules designer, uh, actually said uh, occasionally we put some very experimental things in front of DNV fans and ask them if they want to see more of it. In this case, the very simple answer was no, which is interesting. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know. I I kind of liked the concept. I kind of I kind of thought it was an interesting concept, like a a subclass that several different yeah classes could be thinking like like just kind of re-examining and looking at it i can see where it it might kind of break a little bit of the fantasy of your specific class though like if you're a monk walking around and all of a sudden the ranger's doing the same exact stuff as you then maybe that can kind of break that 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 gameplay loop in some form um but at the same time, I like the idea of options and branching out. So I don't know, without actually playtesting it, like I don't have the best grasp on on you know the the pros and cons of it. But I, I can see where both sides might have, you know, issues going one way or the other. I could I I have to I have to guess that one of the big reasons was just for readability and confusion. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Like it just it just how how it works and you know how it works with this specific class or so it it is it is definitely more complex mm-hmm. and intricate than probably a normal subclass that's just developed for a specific class. It's it's it was a very interesting idea though and it'll be interesting to see if they try and refine that a little bit in the future. Yeah. Or if they'll, or if they'll, if it was just so bad, <laughs> the feedback was just so bad that they're just like, yeah, we're going to do something else. But like, like we were saying, I love that they are doing that. I love that they're still playing with it, especially at this stage in the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I mean, 5e is probably not going to be going anywhere for quite some time. It's still very much in its growth phase. We're getting, we're going to be getting four or five books a year now of of 5e stuff there's so much untapped stuff there's so much um like old stuff that could be converted changed updated brought forward um that a lot of people like and remember from those those things so um i really uh i'm really happy with the the rest of the year stuff though definitely i'm pretty excited for all of it yeah yeah i think i am and I mean, I'll say it again. We got a dragon book coming. So yeehaw. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just there. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting for that. Definitely been waiting for that. Um, okay. And so that's, that's a good transition. 
Ben. Uh, speaking of dragons, we're going to talk just uh, briefly about bronze dragons. Ooh, uh, so, Ben, why don't you give us a little overview of the bronze dragon? Okay. I, why did I go like bad Australian as opposed to because like, I classy did. English? Which <laughs> has been like <laughs> dipping in and out. Yeah. Um, it's well, just like the, the DM things. You just kind of dip dip in and out of voices yeah i just immediately just jumped like i fell into it i had no choice so thanks thanks for setting me up for that kind of failure you're welcome but um so you know we've talked about different dragons before how there's you know the the chromatic and the metallic um a bronze dragon is definitely a metallic dragon it is you know in general good it is a very very cool kind of dragon if you ask me i'm actually kind of a fan after doing a little bit of research on these now one of the things that i like about it is the fact that it likes to be social like it one of its favorite things is just gosh i mean it it, it likes to talk to people loves to talk to them thinks it's absolutely amazing and the thing is what they do is they stay polymorphed. They don't actually really let people know that they're a brass dragon. I mean, unless you randomly stumble I upon it. I thought that was it, super interesting. Yeah, unless you like stumble upon it in its in its um uh layer, I you're not gonna know. And you know, they go, they they live amongst people, they talk to them, they do what they can. Um, in, in fact, one of the things that I thought was just absolutely amazing is that if they come across someone who needs help, you know, they'll do what they can to help them because Again, good being, good dragon. And if they come across people like bandits, say, who are like robbing someone else, they show up as a some sort of humanoid and attack them and will definitely best them because they're a dragon. So it's just so amazing to me that they stay hidden in this form so much of their life just because, you know, they don't want people to know what's going on and, and, and what they're doing and who they they truly are. You know, and it, it, it's one of the 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 neat things about dragons that I mean, you and I have talked about before. It's like, hey, every NPC can be a dragon. You don't know because, you know, they can shapeshift into humanoid creatures. A dragon. Exactly. So this just yeah. really accentuates the fact that anyone can be a dragon. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it, bronze dragons are great for that. Like from an NPC perspective, if you're looking for something like that, that just fits right into their MO. Uh, and they also are uh, coastal dragons. Mm-hmm. They're they're big, big on water, not in their lair. They don't like water in their lair no. at all, but they like water in general. And some of their uh, lair stuff, like their regional effects uh have to do with that type of stuff like just looking at the just from the the 5e manual looking at some of the regional effects like once per day the dragon can alter the weather in a six mile radius centered on its lair doesn't need to be outdoors and the effect is identical to the control weather spell that's that's super cool underwater plants within six miles of the dragon's lair take on dazzling brilliant hues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. such a the cool thing to set up potentially like the entrance to a bronze dragon's lair Um, within the lair, the dragon can set illusory sounds such as soft music, strange echoes so that they can be heard in various parts of the lair. Like, it's just like, it's like uh, this almost, uh, I kind of think of the, the little mermaid 
stuff <laughs> where you, yeah. you know it's like the the under the sea uh you got all this the like the fancy stuff you got the pretty plants mm-hmm. you walk mm-hmm. into the cave like you, you're going through you walk into the cave and you just hear the you know soft sounds of uh music echoing throughout exactly. the cave chambers you go in and there's just these brilliant beautiful plants uh growing from the walls just like super super cool like super thematic yeah i really like it i like it it's really neat and in fact like it, what i'm thinking of too is that uh you know if the dragon knows that say an adventurer somebody is actually breaking or not breaking into their lair but has discovered or walked in and they're there i just picture them being a humanoid like just listening to music and and just you know humming away with it like maybe conducting to the air or something as they're like you know yeah. prepping a nice dinner or <laughs> i don't know like i i picture them being like like very cultured because of this which yeah yeah no yeah. it's good it's good like it's it like it's, it's very very thematic Mm-hmm. Very thematic. Uh, one of the other things, and we will link the video, of course. Uh, one of the things we always do when we we do dragon videos beyond just looking at uh, a few other sources is we watch uh, the Mr. Rex videos. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he does absolutely amazing D&D lore videos. We'll make sure we have a link in the show notes if you want to just watch the whole bronze dragon video. It's It's incredibly good. One of the things he talks about is bronze dragons don't like to kill things mm-hmm. they're they they very much will try not to kill if they can help it and it it's interesting because it actually goes into their uh breath attack like that's one of the reasons for their breath attack so like all metallics uh they're they're a little more unique versus their chromatic brethren in that they have two different types of breath weapons that they can use first one is your standard you know lightning breath so it's uh that's that's kind of the the element that the bronze dragon used but the second is repulsion breath and so this is a 30 foot cone the creatures in the area have to make a strength save on and on a failed save they're pushed back 60 feet 60 feet that's a full move and dash yep for most characters that's that's big and uh one of the things he talked about in the video is just like this is one of the reasons for it is the i don't want to kill have to kill things like the get away from me type type ability Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh that's that's really neat but just yeah looking at it it's like that is literally a full turn of move only to get back into melee range exactly with the dragon if you fail that yeah. Um, one thing that they do kill, though, is that they actually have a huge appetite and they love to eat sharks, I guess, because they taste really good. I uh, it, it's a little interesting to me, <laughs> but, um, you know, they'll, they'll hunt sharks pretty much to extinction in their area. Um, and after that, their next favorite prey is the only intelligent species that they actually will be OK with killing. And I'm going to butcher how you say it because I don't know exactly, but it's the, uh, the, the Sahu, Sahuguin or whatever, basically the underwater fish people. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like inherently evil, um, you know, if you prescribe to that sort of thing. And so the, the uh, bronze dragon. usually don't. Yeah. But uh, the bronze dragon 
will go after them. It's the only intelligent uh, being that they actually eat. And apparently, I guess they taste like shark. So that's kind of why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's your lore, your lore tidbit for the day. Yeah, exactly. They taste like shark. Yeah, everything on land tastes like chicken. Uh, chicken. Everything in the water tastes like shark. <laughs> it tastes like shark. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other, the other big thing that should get a mention is the the bronze dragons are lawful good mm-hmm. alignment wise, um, and so they have this very black and white sense of justice. Yeah, capital and it's, lawful. Uh, yeah, capital lawful. And so they're very much a, if they don't think something you're doing is good or they think something you're doing is bad, it's a very black and white thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. I will stop you type type thing. Very little, very little wiggle room. And apparently as they get older, that sense of justice becomes more and more pointed, mm-hmm. I guess would be a good word for it, yeah. to kind of the kind of the the extreme of being almost like tyrannical exactly as as they're as they grow older yeah they were they're the kind of of creature who they would take the you know the the age-old question of would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your hungry family um that's against the law you don't do that you don't steal bad extreme punishment because of it especially if they're an ancient one and it's one of the things that is really interesting about it because since they don't have that that like kind of you know open view of of good and evil it means so much more the fact that bronze dragons uh if they commit themselves to something like a good cause they follow it through no matter what you know they 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 sit there they go through they they help you know, humans or, or humanoids or whatever, like in wars, if they think it's a just cause and, you know, continue on with, with all that. It it's, they're really interesting creatures because of this. Well, and that's, that could almost be a very interesting plot hook because, mm-hmm. and I, I was, I was noticing a, a Twitter conversation about this and it was about this whiz kids uh, this new mini WizKids is coming out with of this really beautiful gold dragon. It's pr- like one of their you know premium mm-hmm. premium ones. It's like fifty or sixty bucks. And the uh, the person was just like, "This is really nice, but I would never use it because there's almost no time your party will come into conflict with metallics, like." It could happen here or there mm-hmm. uh, and for very specific reasons. But in general, most campaigns probably won't have their party end up coming into conflict with a metallic. And so uh, this is, could be a very interesting plot hook as far as <clears throat> potentially a bronze dragon that took law too far mm-hmm. and has to be stopped. It took, you know, to the to the point of detriment to a lot of people or a town or a city or something like that. And so that's a, a potential like plot point that you could come up with where you would actually bring the party for good cause into a conflict with a with a metallic dragon. Exactly. Or something along the lines of, um, 
because that they they are just staunch allies with you know the the things that they commit to uh imagine if it's something like the crusades you know it started out as maybe a good sort of thing but over time corrupted into something horrible and if a dragon sticks with a cause until it's done you've got this dragon going around you know a a good being doing things that are really questionable because it thinks that it's doing the right thing. Yeah. That made that super interesting story point. I Definitely. Think. Sure. Makes me, um, makes me think of the Justicars from mass effect since I just played that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good, that's a good example. That's a good example. It's kind of like, uh, or, or space Marines mm-hmm. from Warhammer. Yeah, I think they're they're doing the they're the good guys are they doing the best with it. That's not always the case. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't even yep. one of those. You're the hero of your own story kind of things. This is no, I'm following the letter of the law to the to the very end. Yeah, to the detriment of others. Yeah, exactly. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, bronze dragons, bronze dragons. Very interesting. Um uh, especially from a story or roleplay perspective, there's a lot of flavor to them, and there's a lot of stuff you could do with them. From a combat perspective, as I mentioned a little earlier in the episode, dragons are pretty boring. Metallics yes. are a little more interesting because they have a secondary breath weapon that they can do. It's not much. Um, <laughs> so uh, one of the things I, I almost always recommend to people is flavor them with spellcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's tons of spells go through and find a few that seem to fit uh, the the dragon, the personality, however you're trying to to play to play them, and add those to their their repertoire, either as legendary actions, as bonus actions, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things to make it more scary and make it more formidable, because very rarely. Unless you, unless you really misplan, do you have to power something down? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> usually, usually the party, it's the party who will surprise you. And it's just like, well, they chewed through that way faster than I thought. Or heck, everybody happened to hit crit on their roll. Yeah, something like that. So uh, very rarely do you have to power things down so adding some more flavor uh and a little more um unexpectedness Mm -hmm. uh in your combat encounter is is really good and speaking of that unless you have anything else ben um no it closed up pretty good but i there is one thing that i find still super interesting with them and that is the fact that they love gold just like every other dragon except they will never say that they love gold because gold corrupts. <laughs> and I think that is just crazy cool about them. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's something you wouldn't expect. No, exactly. It's like, like you go into the layer, you see all this stuff. Uh, and then off in a side chamber out of view or in this like hidey hole somewhere mm-hmm. is this massive pile of gold. That they don't want to show off, but that they are obsessed with. Exactly. I just, I find that just like, it, it's a character flaw that is just so unique to them. I, I just really find that so interesting. So I just had to throw that out there. No, that's good. I, I really like that a lot. 
Okay. Um, so moving on a little bit, we've got some community content shout outs before we uh, kind of end things off with what we're doing in our games. Uh, the first one is that MCDM Productions has finally launched at, at least the PDF of their huge kingdoms and warfare supplement. And this is this is a really big deal. Like this is this is something that they've been working on. I think they kickstarted like two-ish years ago now. And it basically allows you to run your own domain and go to war. It allows your players to lead an organization that takes on villainous realms and build an army and go to battle. And so they actually have all these really cool rules for forming organizations and then having other uh, organizations or domains in your world from NPC groups or villain groups, which is which is super cool. And you can use as little or as, as much of that as you want. And then the whole second section of it is, in a lot of ways, turning D&D into a war game if you want to do that sort of thing with armies. Uh, and it's it's really cool, very fleshed out rules, um, not super hard to understand, uh, but it essentially kind of pairs your characters, your player characters, with the armies that you have recruited, giving them special abilities and allows you to play out a full battle in addition to the other battle going on with you and the enemy's officers. So that kind of thing. Uh, so it's it's very unique. It's not necessarily for everybody. But if you like that type of gameplay, or even if you don't like that type of gameplay and you want the the section of gameplay for domains and organizations and stuff like that, uh, this book would probably have stuff for you. There's also new items. There are new monsters. And they the monsters are really cool. And I wanted to shout these out, especially when we talked about, you know, dragons being a little, little lacking and uh, stuff they can do. Mm-hmm. Is most of the monsters use Matt Colville's villainous actions. Uh, and he actually did a running the game video on this and they're super cool. Villainous actions are basically extra things that can make single monsters more formidable. So like, uh, for example, um, this uh, large demon relg that is in this, he has three villain actions and he can take each action once during the encounter after an enemy creature's turn. He takes the first one, the first round, the second, the second, and the third, the third round. Uh, and basically these villainous actions basically just do extra stuff. Like this first one, he uh, regurgitates an allied demon uh, in an unoccupied space within 15 feet of him. Ooh. And then when it appears, each creature within five feet of it has to make uh, a dex saving throw or take acid damage. And then you have this other minion. And then in the second one, he just conjures a shallow lake of like steaming lava centered on himself. And then when a creature enters it, they have to make a wisdom saving throw or be confused for a minute. Um, And it turns into difficult terrain. And then uh, like... The third one, Whale of the D- Whales of the Damned. Each creature within 30 feet that can hear him uh, hears screams and has to make a con saving throw or drops to zero hit points. Oh, my. This is like a CR 26. Thing. <laughs> Just a, an example. But yeah, like so it's extra stuff 
that happens like uh think of it like um if you play world of warcraft mm-hmm. or something like that or in any any mmo really and you're fighting a raid boss or a dungeon boss and they yeah. have phases once they hit like a certain point it's it's kind of like that where like oh he hit like a third of his health down i do villainous action one he hits 50 percent health i do villainous mm-hmm. action two or depending on how long you think it's going to last, I do this one the first, this one the second, and this one the third round. Yeah. So a lot of the monsters in this book have those action-oriented gameplay things built in, and I love it. I love the system itself. It just gives a lot more um, a lot more interesting stuff that you can do, and it changes the pace of combat or mixes it up a little bit. That's very cool. I like that. Yeah. So... If you want to go, uh, I believe it is uh, mcdmproductions.com, and you can go check that out and buy the PDF if you want. As always, we'll have the link in the show notes. And then, yep. Ben, you had something as well. Yes, it is something entirely different. Uh, in fact, it is actually a Kickstarter that is ending in uh, five days from when we're recording this. So it is uh, going to be very soon after the episode releases. One, two, three, four. Like... Um, July have a little bit of time. Yeah, July twenty eighth or so, early. I think. Um, if if my math is correct. Um. Oh, I'm sorry, I totally lied. Uh, July thirtieth is what it says. Uh, ten a.m. Mountain Standard Time is when this ends. So you do have a little bit of time, but this is the Animal Adventures: The Faraway Sea. Uh, it's by the same people who did the the Dungeons and Doggos or the Cats and Catacombs. Um. And it's a Kickstarter that I went ahead and funded because I like cute animals. I don't know if you know that about me, but I like cute animals. Um, but it's true. It does. Yeah, it, it is a, actually a, a new kind of like a campaign setting. Um, it's a floaty, floating shanty town banked by an endless chain of mysterious, ever-changing islands, each with their own invaluable treasure. Um, the neat thing is, is that there is 10 new playable animal species. Uh, as well as uh, some new classes, some new subclasses, uh, new background, and it, it's some really cool stuff. Like, you know, if you did the the, the dogs and cats or any of the other um, things that they've done, they've got uh, an albatross, alpaca, fox, goat, koala, orangutan, uh, otter, pig, rabbit, and red panda. Um, so, like I said, they're adding those in. Uh, there's a, a watcher, which is a new uh, class that they're adding, which is... Uh, they live by a simple code, which is hunt the wicked. And then there's the Tinker Mage. So they're masters of invention, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's just a, you know, a, a new, neat, fun little adventure. Um, well, not really that little, but, you know, it's a new, cool adventure, especially if you're into, um, you know, playing around as different animals and stuff. On top of that, like any other thing, you can always take stuff that you find in here, bring it into your own campaign or world. Why not? You you just can. It's one of the fun things. But yeah, overall, um, it's just something that I saw that was really cool. I went ahead and backed it because why not? And uh, did yeah. you do the Dungeons and Doggos? I have the figures, but I don't have the book yet. The minis are really cool. Yeah, I I love those minis. And I mean, the the uh, the minis that they're showing for these are actually pretty darn cool, too. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad that I backed this. Getting some cool stuff. Awesome. Like, awesome like yeah I, so I mean, just go to, check those out just to tell you the the kickback or the kickstarter exclusive is a baby kraken it's a little tiny kraken in like a, a, oh a wheelbarrow 
uh like holding a lantern with a pirate hat on it's super adorable so yeah check this out um again we'll have the link in the show notes but uh yeah if you want to get people who like cute things into D, yeah. this is the way to do it it's a way to do it <laughs> yeah i did like Ooh. the the all-in pledge too so i'm getting like dice as well as a dm screen and and uh, oh man yeah some some extra cool stuff uh yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it Awesome. Well, if either of those sounds interesting, uh, we'll have the links in the show notes. Go check those out uh, for some additional D&D content. Yeah. Additional so, D&D content is always a plus. It is. I have so much of it, and it's wonderful. It has helped helped me a lot. Exactly. Uh, so, as always, before we leave, uh, we usually talk a little bit about what's going on in our games. Ben, do you have, have anything interesting? Oh, I'll definitely start. I have the most interesting thing of, we haven't been able to play together because I am prepping a whole bunch for like arc two in this, this plot that I'm figuring out as well as creating maps and doing fun stuff. So we're getting together next weekend and uh, the, the folks in my party have just made it to trade more because remember, if you can't find it in trade more, doesn't exist. So I'm right. I'm actually really looking forward to uh, continuing the adventure next week. Awesome! I'm I'm very excited to hear about uh, how that goes once they get to this very important city. Yes, we've uh, uh, look. I think we've said it before on the show, but find a dm friend that you can talk to and totally spill all the stuff that you're planning and things that you're gonna do because it's so worth it there's a very good chance that your friends are in your group and you can't tell them anything so yep <laughs> definitely yep. like it's so it's it's so true yeah it's so true and, and we actually spent like a good half hour before we even started recording mm-hmm. just like spilling secrets <laughs> back and forth <laughs> exactly. from some of our upcoming stuff and it it dms it feels so good it does <laughs> to be able to do that One, it really really does you have someone you know that appreciates all the work that you're pouring into it and when you see them get excited about what you're telling them you know you got something here so highly recommended <laughs> uh, speaking of though uh, ryan what about you what's going on in in your worlds because I know you have like uh, so many of them, so many worlds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, the biggest ones are the 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 second campaign I run in my homebrew world. They uh, are currently taking this uh, crashed and repaired small airship, which mm. shouldn't exist. It's technology that uh, should not exist uh, at all. And they are taking it to this research station in the far northern part of the continent to get it looked at by their arcanists there, as well as going back to the ruins where it was found to try and see if they can salvage more cool stuff from, from that. So that's that's going cool. Um, it actually ended up that as they were flying out, uh, this huge ring black shockwave <laughs> tore through the sky uh, as a result of my first campaign's battle that I've <laughs> talked about before um, that started tearing these little rifts in the air just due to the arcane energy. Unfortunately, because the power source 
in the airship they are flying. It's interacted strangely with one of the rifts, broke it open more, and a bunch of air elementals from the plane of air came out attracted by this powerful, you know, energy, uh, arcane energy source that is in the airship Mm -hmm. and began attacking the airship. And the party, the the party were kind of secondary. They they actually started attacking the airship of trying to get in and break in to get this energy source. And so, obviously, the party started fighting back. Oh, of course. Because they're hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air. They don't (laughs) want this airship to go down. That would be really bad. And so there's, we did this uh, and we were actually able to do it in person. So I was able to break out my like height stands. Oh, I actually have nice. an airship mini that I have printed out. And it's not a mini. It's huge. Um, comparably, uh, like all the figures can stand on the deck and everything. And so there we had had this super, super awesome battle. We're like halfway through because we ran out of time. And so we reached a stopping point and I was like, we're going to have to finish this later uh but uh <laughs> we ended with um the the larger air elementals trying to break into the ship our ranger has got blown off in a gust and is currently falling oh no uh thankfully our wizard casts featherfall but they're falling at a different rate as the ship is moving and as stuff is going on so <laughs> that it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out and if they're able to <laughs> able to recover her or not um that's so, a, yeah, that's, be a long walk <laughs> yeah yeah so that's super super fun um i'm excited to to play through the conclusion of that and then kind of speaking of the first campaign uh it it ended up where we we hadn't we hadn't played in like 2 months or so and schedules were just getting harder and harder and so because of how great and how fitting the last session was this mm-hmm. huge in-person session defeating this avatar of the blood god type thing saving this entire city uh i decided that you know that was a good ending yeah. that was a fitting ending and so uh talked with a few of the players um and made the decision to uh, draw that campaign to a close, which is bittersweet because we've been playing that campaign for, gosh, like three years. Uh, two of the people are original, uh, and then uh, the other, the other three are have come in at various various stages. But every single person has been playing for at least uh, two ish years. And so it, it's very much a, a bittersweet kind of ending. Uh, my first ever campaign I DM'd. Uh, we didn't get to twenty. We got to we got to level fourteen. So still pretty cool. Still uh, honestly further than a lot of campaigns get. It's a ton of fun. I have a ton of fantastic memories. Uh, we were just talking about it. Uh, with a few of the players on Friday and just like the, the different battles, the different set pieces, the, the different like absolutely crazy things that happen because of dice yeah. <laughs> and all sorts of all sorts of stuff like that. So it's it was super fun. I, I threw it out to everyone. I was like, I'm not going to write the epilogue of your character, but if you want 
to write an epilogue for them for the campaign, feel free. And so um, some of the players will probably choose to to write epilogues for their their characters, and then those characters will then become NPCs as part of the part of the world, which is super cool. Uh, when you have a homebrew world like that, where you can have callbacks, you can have like player characters become part of the lore mm-hmm. and part of the world, even after they've moved on and made new characters or gone to different campaign or something like that. So uh, I said, bittersweet. It's, it was a really fun three years. I learned an absolute ton so much uh, through that campaign. And I'm really excited to continue my other one in the same, same world in the same, same continent. Uh, and then I will probably be starting uh, another one, probably in a different area of of my world here um, in a little bit. Once I I kind of get my thoughts together, I have ideas. I have ideas. Yes, you, you do. And and might know a few of them. That might have been a part of that conversation. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, but you get to. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited uh, to to get that one going and to kind of talk about that on future episodes. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. But uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was really good. It's very very fulfilling. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, hopefully, with your your second game, which is technically now your first game, um, you'll be able to uh, get keep that story going and get them to twenty. I would love to. Uh, all the players are very, very passionate. They all want to. Uh, and I I just want to say that I've DM'd a campaign from one to 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or in this case, in this case, like three, three to 20. Yeah. Um, but that that still still counts. And totally counts. Still I mean, counts. you know, that, yeah. that's where I started, too. And that's my goal is I want to hit 20. And like once that arc finishes and they get to 20 and then like have whatever final huge ending is going to happen and everything like that it's like okay cool we're gonna do this epilogue we're gonna get everything all taken care of and and done and then i get to start figuring out what we're doing for the next campaign then we get to do it all over again (laughs) (laughs) it's the yeah it's the best D D is awesome it really is i really enjoy it like i i don't see myself stopping at any point that's that's the great thing. Like I was I was talking to to a friend the other day. And I was like, if I had to like give up like all forms of games or whatever except one, D and D would be very high on the list to keep because yeah. it's essentially it's... unlimited stories and unlimited unlimited replayability. Yeah, ever changing. Like it's like you can even play the same class dozens of times exactly. especially with the amount of subclasses out now you can play the same class dozens of times and have it be different every time yeah i mean heck even the same subclass on something like a bard your spell choices alone completely change who you are oh yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's amazing like it's the the D the money i put into D is probably some of the like the best entertainment investment dollar per hour. Yeah. Dollar per hour investment is it's some of the best Definitely. that I've, I've spent. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your stuff. I'm excited to uh, hear eventually start, start this new one and, and start talking about it. Uh, but that is for a future episode. Yes, so until is. then 
Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, you know what? If you want to talk about some of the new stuff that's been uh, announced or you just think that, uh, you know, we were right or wrong in our whole idea of Strix, Strixhaven uh, backgrounds and stuff, go ahead and send us an email. We want to hear from you. Uh, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Now, if it's something that you can just kind of toss at us quickly on Twitter, go ahead and uh, follow us. We appreciate that. And on top of that, you know, reach out at DN Discussions. Now, if you hate the sound of my voice and don't want to have anything to do with my opinion on something, uh, you can always reach out to just Ryan himself or, you know, just follow him because he's fun um, at TBK Zord. Or you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ben Bumhofer. Now, here's the thing. I say this every single time. If you are wondering why we think that we can talk about Dungeons and Dragons, other than the fact that we absolutely love it, I think it's an amazing game and want us to put our money where our mouth is or your time where our mouth is or so, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you <laughs> the is breaking down. Yeah. Red exactly. alert. Um, you can always, uh, you know, listen to our, our persistent campaign plus five to hit. Uh, right now we're doing an interlude where we are playing a candle keep mystery and Boy, howdy, are we having fun. Um, oh my gosh, it's so good. Once we're done with that, we'll Jeff's be going, doing a great job. He is. He is. Yeah. Uh, once we're done with that, we're going to be going back to Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. We're doing a playthrough. Uh, Rose been doing a great job DMing that. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep playing and having fun. So check that out because I, for one, uh, happen to think it's a pretty good show. But I mean, yeah, I love know, it. I, I, so I'm much. It, so, so much fun. Like, I'm enjoying our interlude a lot, but I am. Also very excited to get back to. Oh my gosh, there's so many too. mysteries and stuff going on in, in rhyme that I'm mm-hmm. dying to get back to that too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yep. Um, yep. But anyways, uh, this show, DN Discussions, you can find us pretty much anywhere that uh, you know podcasts are found. Uh, you know, really cool, quick tip. However you're listening to us right now, you can find the next episode there or all of our previous episodes as well. So go ahead, check us out. All right. Cool. That's it. That's a wrap. Episode 50. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Like, uh, this is this is big. This is like a, a milestone for us. Yeah. Two more. Like it's you, you, once you hit once you hit episode 10, that's like, oh, I'm kind of a real podcast now. And once you hit episode <laughs> 50, it's just like, wow, I'm a real pod- <laughs> podcast. I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know two, uh, we, two more episodes love doing it two more episodes you can listen to an episode a week for a year that's true yeah that's true we're getting there we're getting close we're getting close <laughs> and the, the nice thing about this and because we've we've all done both of us have done podcasts for for video games before and the the unfortunate thing about those is that content kind of wears away it can fizzle a little bit and fizzle out it's it's like going back 20 30 40 episodes and listening probably won't be super relevant to yeah. whatever it is currently but the, the, that's what i love about this podcast is all this type stuff at least as far as fifth edition goes is good for anyone who's playing fifth edition forever oh yeah pretty much and and just general like advice is just good forever so it's 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 very fulfilling being able to do a podcast like this where I can actually recommend that someone start from the beginning, <laughs> which I could not do with some of the other shows I've done. 
Exactly. And uh, you know what? Once 6th edition starts, hey, guess what? Some of this will still be relevant. <laughs> yep, that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. But hopefully we have 5e for a while. Uh, I, I sure I'm, hope so. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's it for our episode. Again, thanks everyone so much for listening and we will see you next time and until then be good to each other and goodbye